Well, good morning, everyone. Merry Christmas. Early. We're going to keep saying it. We'll get there eventually. Uh, it's good to be with all of you, and it's good to be, again, in um, a place that has heat. Amen. <laughs> I think winter is, is breaking in among us here. And Did everybody see the forecast for next weekend? I, I, my forecast, I saw single digits. Did you? Yeah. It's, um, man, it's getting chilly. But, yeah, it's, it is winter, so we'll, we'll embrace it for sure. And um, it is nice to be able to come into a warm building and go to a warm car and, and everything else. So, um, But it is good to be with you. just want to say a welcome. Uh, if it is your first time joining us, uh, whether here or online, I want to say a special welcome to you. We do hope you'll stop by the table uh, after the service and just uh, check in with us. We have a gift for you. Uh, it is a great time of year. We had a, a good time yesterday, a few of us, a handful of us, a good number of us, actually. I think it was probably like 12 or so, maybe 15 uh, braved the cold and went downtown and sang at the top of our lungs to bless uh, all the people walking around. At least we think we blessed them. I think we did. Uh, I thought we sounded great. Uh, but it was a great time and just really special to see as we went into some of the different shops and businesses and to sing and just how people respond. Uh, my wife says sometimes it may be the awkwardness of like somebody singing right in front of you to you and uh, you just kind of smile. But it, it seemed like they were genuinely you know, moved and engaged and uh, we even got waved in uh, to one place. They, you know, said, hey, come over, come inside and, and sing in here. So um, it's just a great, great chance for us to be in the community. And so uh, we do hope uh, next time you can join us if you're willing. Uh, and even if you, you know, are whatever, if you sing in the shower and you think you're pretty good, come and join us and we'll have a spot for you. Uh, today we're going to be continuing our series. And we have, we've been in this series now for two weeks. This will be our third message in it. And the title of the series is Among Us, and again, it's the idea of, of God coming to earth as Jesus made his entrance and, and literally being among us. And we're going to take another look again in John chapter 1. And so I do hope you've been able to spend some time there, been able to spend some time uh, just on your own and your own uh, you know, devotion time and prayer time, just to really uh, just, just kind of uh, meditate on the word there, you know, to dwell in that place. Uh, because, again, it is so packed full of wonderful, wonderful things. And so uh, we'll be wrapping up the series uh, Christmas Eve. It'll be a message, though, if you know, it's somebody's first time, they'll, they'll definitely get something out of it. But we're going to just stay with this theme through Christmas Eve. I do hope you'll be making plans to pop in and, and join us on Christmas Eve at one of our services. They are uh, candlelight services, and they're always very special. So I do hope you can make it and just join us. It's uh, just an hour long but I think it's a great time just as you enter and approach uh, Christmas Day for you to, to just, um, again, for us to gather together and focus on God. But, uh, you know, with the, the holidays and especially Christmas, uh, how many are traveling to see family? Anybody? Okay. Um, how, many are, are, how many are staying home for Christmas Eve? Okay, I just want to make sure so I know who's coming on Christmas Eve. Thank you. Um, so you can't get off the hook now. I got gotcha. you. It's on camera, so. Um, no, but, you know, when you stay home on Christmas Eve, and I, I love when, you know, when we stay home and, and family comes to visit, you know, it's, it's kind of the getting ready and the anticipation. And I remember as a child uh, growing up in Michigan, uh, so my parents met in Bible college down in Missouri, but my mom was from upstate New York, and my dad was from Wisconsin. And so my relatives, we, you know, I, a lot of you I talked to, and I, I'm kind of envious of that, that you have a lot of your family right here close by, you know. And so you see, you know, maybe your aunts and your uncles, you hang out with your cousins, you grow up with them. You know, for us, it was kind of a rare occasion, if you would, you know, we had to travel somewhere or maybe they would travel to see us uh, from time to time. But it wasn't a daily thing. But I remember when I was a kid and, and whenever grandma was coming to visit, right? I mean, it was like so exciting because, you know, we didn't see her, you know, we'd see my grandma about maybe once a year, either we'd go to her or she'd come to us. But whenever she came, it was always fun because, um, especially when I was really young, is because she would always show up and she would have presents, right? I mean, everybody, I think as I got older, you know, you begin to appreciate grandma and you can have those, some, some conversations that are meaningful. But, you know, grandparents, and if you're a grandparent here, you know, you know, with your grandkids, it's just, you're just laid on, right? You're always buying them stuff, and, you know, hey, you want to, you know, it's, it's first thing in the morning, you haven't had breakfast, you want a piece of cake, here you go, right? Right? 
don't, I mean, if you can't admit it right now, just that's okay. But, but it's, you know, something about grandparents. And I, I remember my grandma would show up and she would just have stuff and it would be wrapped. And you're just always kind of in this awe and this anticipation of grandma's arrival and what she brought. And, you know, what I, what I began to realize as I got older, as I said, you know, you begin to be able to learn and understand and get to know the person, who that person was in grandma, not just what she brought you. But even within that person, it also included the gifts that she brought. And, you know, kind of bringing that now over to where we are as we, as we focus in on Jesus and his birth, you know, in this season of Advent, we are, again, preparing ourselves to receive really the greatest gift of all, right? And that's the person of Jesus Christ. The person of Jesus Christ. And, you know, if we're not careful, sometimes I think we can shrink back to that approach as a child and just be looking for what can Jesus give me? What is he bringing? What gifts are wrapped or so to speak? And is he giving to me versus just him as the person? For those of you who are parents and have children, you know, you, you can kind of get a glimpse of this, you know, when you have small children. And again, a lot of times they just, they want what you give them, right? They want something with, with lights and sounds and whatever is kind of coming off your hand, so to speak. But you're ultimate gift, and, and if you have that moment, is as they maybe get a little more mature, and when they begin to come to you, or if they ever come to you just because they want to be with you, it is so special and so sweet, isn't it? Because they begin to recognize the gift of you as a person, not just what you hand to them. And so, again, we see here the person of Jesus Christ is the first and foremost, the most important gift given of all time. But Again, as Jesus came to earth with his arrival that first Christmas, with him, many additional gifts came as well. For example, grace. And grace is a beautiful thing, isn't it? We all need grace. And we all need to know that, that, that God gives us grace and he gives us mercy. And all of that was ushered in with, with Jesus' arrival. And, you know, these different gifts that came along with the greatest gift of Christ you know, is, is something we want to take a look at. You know, we, we spent last week talking about the gift of grace. In fact, last week we also lit the candle for joy on, on Advent. It's the one pink candle here. And that was, again, you know, looking at what Jesus brought. And, and again, this whole Advent, and most of you are probably familiar with it, but it's all a buildup, and the center one that is white is called the Christ candle, which we light on New Year's Eve, or I mean Christmas Eve. Because it's all anticipation, it's all building, and Christ is going to be the fulfillment of all these things that we're anticipating. And so, again, this, the, the joy candle that we lit last week, and even last week to go with that, we sing joy to the world. And, you know, we start out, joy to the world, the Lord has come, let earth receive her king. And then it says, let every heart prepare him room. Let every heart, let every heart prepare him room. And so I want us to kind of have that image in our mind, you know, of, of making space. And I've been saying that throughout this series of this season of Advent as we prepare for the arrival of Jesus. How are we making space? How are we making room in our heart for Jesus once again to arrive, if you will? Again, I don't want to imply somehow, you know, if you're a believer, of course Christ is with you and you, he has made his residence in your heart, so to speak. But sometimes things can come crowding in, can't they? We can get caught up with the stuff. And so I want us to have that picture of preparing him room. And so we're going to look at two more gifts that come with Christ. And they're interrelated, and they accompanied his arrival in that simple manger that night. And so as we prepare to jump in, I'd like to pray for us, and then we'll jump into John chapter 1. So let's pray. Father God, I thank you once again for today. God, as we uh, just sang that song, again, it's probably new for most and maybe haven't heard it, and it's a little bit of a spin, Father, of, of you know, we're used to, to, to singing about, oh, come all you faithful, but Lord, the reality is, is we are unfaithful people, and God, we recognize, Lord, the only good thing, the only great thing, Lord, is, is you, the only perfect thing, and the only perfect person that is faithful is you. And so, God, we just ask and we, we really cry out to you today, Lord, that, that you would just show up in a very real and powerful way. God, I pray for each person here in this place, each person, person watching online, that we would truly make room in our hearts today to receive your word. 
God, the places that perhaps it uh, challenges us or maybe even hurts our feelings a little bit, God, I pray that it is still received, that it may, may move and work, God, and that we would see, Lord, that there's work to be done. God, that there's places that we can still surrender to you. And so, God, I pray that you would truly uh, use me as a vessel today to carry your word and to speak it uh, with boldness. Let it, again, be alive and active as your word promises and that it would change our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. So in John chapter 1, uh, we're going to, again, we've been kind of moving around a, a little bit. So we're going to jump in this morning at verse 9. And again, it's John's gospel. Uh, John the Apostle, he wrote this uh, as the, the gospel account. And again, remember, this is John 1. This is how he starts it out. And we see very clearly, very quickly, how important it is for him to lay out who Jesus is and was and the importance of that. And so he goes into a lot of very deep theological points that are, are critical for us to understand and grasp. And so beginning in verse 9 here, it says, the true light. So if there's a true light, there's false light. Yeah, this is kind of, you can, it's not rhetorical. You're welcome to respond. So there's, a, there's, a, there's false lights, right? There's, there's things out there that can mislead or, or misguide us. So again, John is saying that this is the true light, the one that was promised. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. In verse 10, he was in the world. And the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So this is a, a, an amazing passage of scripture, isn't it? Because we really see very quickly, quickly again, who, who Jesus is. And, and John, again, has now, is now following up this, this proclamation. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He's, he's, again, he was in the beginning. He was there from all eternity, recognizing who he is as God. And so, you know, you imagine that, and... It, and again, I keep coming back around to this because it's, I think, some of the best imagery I can think of of, you know, when we have children, and it's almost, it's, it's, a, it's a shadow of what we're trying to get at, you understand? We're trying to explain principles that are beyond our natural mind, but it's almost like when we have a child, right? And imagine, you know, at some point, you know, you've invested and you've poured in, and, and I know that some of you here maybe, I know some of you actually here are maybe in this situation, but at some point when the child gets older, for whatever reason, there's a rejection of you as their parent. And so really in essence, right, you've created this child with your spouse, brought them into the world, poured your life into them and your resources into them and your whole heart and soul into this child and they grow up and they kind of just turn their back on you and walk away. And you know, that was kind of the thing I could think of that maybe is just a small glimpse as, as God created Mankind, as God created each and every one of us and the entire world that we are sitting in and, 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 and dwell in, and as he makes his entrance, even to his own people who knew of his arrival, he was rejected. And so, you know, to imagine the, the hurt and the pain, and, and, you know, it wasn't a surprise to God, but we see again clearly that that was the case. And so, you know, John is laying that out for us of who he was as he created the world, as he created human beings, and even called the, the children of Israel out to be his people, and yet even amongst his people, he wasn't recognized. But we see again this, this beautiful promise in verse 12, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And so this first gift, if you will, I want us to take a look at and I believe came with Jesus is what we would say the gift of adoption. The gift of adoption. Cambridge Dictionary 
it defines adoption as this, and again, most of us, are, we would know what adoption is or have our own definition, but I just thought this was interesting. The Cambridge Dictionary says, adoption is the act of legally taking a child to be taken care of as your own. So it's not like you bring this child in and they kind of exist over here and you treat them differently than your own children. No, when you adopt a child, you bring them into your family as one of your own, correct? They become part of your family. And so that is the same with Jesus. And then it was interesting too, another, and you'll recognize this, another you know, uh, way that adoption is defined is accepting or starting to use something new. And you know, like, so if you've adopted whatever, this into your life, something new that wasn't there before. But I just thought it was interesting that it's accepting or starting to use something new. It's, it's this idea of newness. And, and as a child, and, and again, I don't know everyone's story, if you were adopted or if you've talked to one that's adopted, you know, they, they kind of began, if, if it was very early, they may not remember that moment, but when they're adopted into a family, it's a new life, right? It's a, it's a new beginning for them, and they're, they're brought in, and so it's, it's beautiful in so many ways. And really, becoming a Christ follower captures both of these definitions, doesn't it? God has taken us legally, if you will, to be one of his own children, and it's a new beginning for all of us. What was past is gone, and what is before us, it's, it's new and it's fresh, and we can start at that point moving forward, can't we? And that's the beauty of, of what Jesus brings. Listen to what it says in Romans chapter eight, verses 14 through 16. It says, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God or daughters. It can, it can go either way here. Verse 15, it says, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And again, as we've talked about many times, that word Abba is that the, the best way we can say that is daddy. It's, it's the most purest, beautiful form of, of, of that connection with a father in, in, a, in a, a, a son or daughter relationship with them. We were with some friends last night and uh, I was talking to the, um, the husband and they had adopted a little girl. Um, and, you know, I don't know, she's probably five or six, maybe. And we're, him and I are sitting there talking, and, you know, they adopted her from a, a young age, you know. And, and, but we were talking, and she came like running in, her little hair bouncing, and she just ran up to this gentleman. And, you know, we we're in the middle of a conversation, but, you know, his focus just went right to her. And they had this little exchange, and then he gave her a kiss, and she just smiled and, like, went, you know, running off and trotting off, and her little hair bouncing, and just, it was like this beautiful picture because she knows that she's loved unconditionally. She knows that she is accepted. There's no doubt in her mind. She doesn't even think about, like, oh, I'm different than maybe my, than my siblings because she's been brought in into that love and that care and that nurturing. And it was just such a beautiful thing. And, and again, it just as, as we're going through this today, I just thought of that, that image. For us, again, who have come to know Christ as Lord and Savior, we now have a Father in, in heaven who loves us unconditionally. And some of you here today need to be reminded of that. Maybe you're carrying something, maybe there's something wrong, and, or maybe there's some, something from your past that's crept up, but you need to be reminded today that God loves you unconditionally if you are in Christ Jesus. Those things that were past are the past. You've been redeemed, and you've been, again, purchased, but it all began as Jesus made his entrance into the world as a baby. God loves us with a perfect love. God loves you with a perfect love. I'll tell you, you know, as a father myself, I fall short many times. You know, my kids will just make me upset or they get the best of me and, you know, there's just some point and, and you know, it's not that my love goes away, but I don't necessarily act out the best can anybody amen with that? 
with me. All right, I just want to make sure I'm in good company. It's challenging, isn't it? But praise God that it's not like that with our Heavenly Father. He's perfect every single time. Every time we come to him, every time we make that mistake, he's perfect and he loves us perfectly. In Romans 8, 17, so it's continuing from what we just read and it goes in to this next verse. And I'm gonna share it and it's, it's interesting because again, we read all those things and it is beautiful, you know, that you know, we've been adopted, we're adopted, we've received the spirit of adoption and it goes on, it says, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Isn't it beautiful? Listen to this next part that's equally beautiful but challenging. Provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Well, Pastor, that's not really a great Christmas message. Here's the beauty of it, all right? If you're facing challenges, if you're facing, you know, perhaps um, some strife, if you will, because of where you stand as a believer, and I even know some stories in here where there's been a disconnect even with children because a, a parent is trying to encourage them. You need to walk that line, you know, be faithful. The beauty is <laughs> it's, it's to be expected that we are gonna go through a struggle. We're gonna go through challenges, but again, as it finishes that sentence, we suffer with him in order that what? We may also be glorified with him. And so again, God is faithful in these, this season. And you know, we, we enter into seasons like this, especially Christmas season, and it's, it's a beautiful time of year, it really is. And it's wonderful, like I've started, you know, when we first started uh, our time here together, you know, about talking about family. But I realize that not every single family relationship is in a perfect place, is it? That with the holidays, it can also bring sadness, it can bring struggle, it can bring heartache. And so I wanna just encourage you today, and, and I want us, the whole reason we're, we're in this, this message and in this series is to bring you back to that place of your first love, of bring you back to that place of, you know, if you're accepted before Almighty God, then everything else, again, not that it doesn't hurt, not that it's not hard, not that it's not challenging, but it's not impossible, and we can walk through that with a promise, holding to a promise of, of what's to come, amen? That God will be with us, that he will never leave us or forsake us. In, in 1 John, as, as we've mentioned, John, you know, he, he wrote the gospel, and then in the back of the Bible, there's, first, uh, there's a couple of books of John in the back. And in 1 John 3, 1, he says this. He says, so what kind of love the Father has given to us, to see what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. And so again, coming back to that place where there's challenges or when there's, there's that person in your life, maybe it's that person that works in the cubicle next to you that wants to mock you for, for you know, again, celebrating Christmas as a believer and somebody that recognizes Jesus coming to earth. They don't recognize the truth, do they? It hasn't, it hasn't been shown that maybe they're not interested in it because everybody's seeking, you know, not everyone is seeking truth these days. Not absolute truth anyway, right? Absolute truth is beginning to kind of dwindle and everybody just kind of wants the, the truth that best fits their lives. And so we have to be careful even as believers that we don't get kind of swept into that as well. That we come back to the scripture, that we spend time in the word of God because this is what keeps us in that place that we need to be. This is what keeps us walking with the Lord, that keeps us walking in right standing, if you will, and, and it tells us what's right and what's wrong. Because now more than ever, the, the world is becoming more and more of a slippery slope. There's stuff that out there that is tantalizing to the ears. There's stuff out there, again, even within you know, churches, and I use the air quotes, that call themselves churches, that again, it, it's, it's, it's playing to the crowd, if you will. It's a, it's, a, it's a doctrine, it's a gospel of comfort. It's not truth. 
And so we need to make sure that we're walking in that. And so, as I said, just coming back to this place of this first gift, this is all about what comes as, as we are adopted in to the family of God. We need to remember that, that we are accepted before God Almighty, where we were not before. We were separated. And if we have that, you know, we've, maybe you've heard the expression, if, if all you had and everything was stripped away and all you had left was Jesus, your relationship with him, would that be enough? And that's a hard question to answer truthfully, isn't it? I mean, all of us would say, yeah, that's me. I would, I would want to say that, but if I really was honest and stopped, I'm like, I don't know. You know, there's times I, I, I struggle. I, there's other things that creep into my life. If all I had was Jesus, would that be enough? And so that's a question for us, and the answer should be yes, but hopefully our heart lines up with what our mouth is saying. All right? Gift number one. Ready for another gift? Good, good. It's supposed to be happy a little bit, but. It's funny, I actually put in my notes, I put, so I, I'm gonna tell you about John the Baptist here, and I put JTB, and sometimes I make my notes and I come back to it, and I'm preaching, I'm like, what was that supposed to mean again? So I got it though, but just a little, yeah, rabbit trail there for you. Um, but we're gonna, I want us to go back into John chapter one and we're gonna begin reading now in verse 29 of that chapter. We're gonna move down there and it starts out the next day he saw Jesus and the he here is talking about John the Baptist who is not the author of the gospel of John, right? This is John the Baptist, the one that proclaimed Jesus coming and was beheaded and all of that, okay? So that's the he, that's what my JTB, if you wanna call him that, maybe we can do a hashtag or something and that's John the Baptist. So John chapter one and verse 29, let's go back in now and, and talk about the second gift that we wanna cover today. John 1, 29. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. And again, John is you know, referring to, and John the Baptist here is even referring to what John's been saying in that this is God. You know, he's always been. He's been before me. And in verse 31, I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness. I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, he on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. So there are some pretty bold statements in that passage, aren't there? Of, of who Jesus is. And as John is, again, making this claim, you might be able to gather why his head came off at some point. It wasn't by his own choosing. But when you start making claims like this, especially in that setting, boasting that this man from Nazareth <laughs> is the promised Messiah, you can get yourself into trouble. But John did that boldly. And so, you know, what I want us to focus on, there are a lot of things, and we'll unpack a few of them. But the main kind of point here that this second gift I want to bring to our attention is right there in, in verse 29. Behold the lamb who takes away the sins of the world. Because with Jesus coming to earth, it really ushered in true and eternal forgiveness for sin. As we know, Jesus came in a manger, but he would walk the earth and grow into a man who would one day again hang on a cross for your sin and mine. And so recognizing that, that gift of forgiveness, right? How many are, and this is an easy question, I think, how many are thankful for forgiveness, right? We should be, right? Why? Because there was no, God had no obligation to forgive us. <laughs> we were stuck. We were stuck in our sin. 
And, you know, we see many people, we see people trying to save themselves. But, you know, if you have this picture of yourself, you know, floating in the middle of the ocean, (laughs) let me know how that works out to save yourself, right? I think all of us realize we can't, right? We can tread water for a while. We can make it look good. But you're either going to run out of steam and drown, you're going to get eaten by a shark or, or something, right? You can't save yourself. It's impossible. Somebody needs to save you. And that was our condition when, we, when, when, when God came to us and pulled us from our sin through Jesus. And that was through forgiveness. We have been forgiven. Now, I see here in this, in this passage, and what I want to unpack a little bit for us is there's, there's two kind of parts of forgiveness happening here. The first part is God, as we said and we see, God has come to take our sin away by forgiving us. And all of us said amen to that, right? It's beautiful, it's great, and it's why we have this hope and of eternal life and we, we know that this is coming. But there's a second part here, and I think, you know, the writer here, or sorry, John the Baptist, and, and John points this out about John the Baptist, and, I don't know if you notice these two phrases that are repeated when he says, I myself did not know him. I myself did not know him. Meaning, I missed it too. <laughs> right? I missed it too. He's standing there and he's trying to get this point across that, listen, I'm no better than you. I'm, an, I'm not anybody special. I missed it as well. And what we see here is he's, he's coming alongside, and even the religious leaders, he's trying to tell them, you know what, it's okay, it's okay that you missed it, but here's your chance to do it right. Here's your chance. And, you know, what, what again, it, it begins here, this, this idea of forgiveness, it begins with our acceptance of the gift of Jesus, but forgiveness is carried out with extending that forgiveness to others. Y'all quiet. The phone saved you. (laughs) Because we walk through our life, and I promise you, you don't have to be here but a minute on this earth, and something's gonna happen. You're gonna be offended. Somebody's gonna make you mad. Somebody's gonna do something that, you know, you don't like. And you have a moment (laughs) to make a decision that, you know what? I'm gonna extend forgiveness to this person. Can I tell you that forgiveness is not ours to hold on to if you're a believer in Christ? It's not. Well, you know, if that person comes to me and they, you know, kind of grovel a little bit and they ask for for my forgiveness, then I'll extend it. You know, it doesn't work that way. (laughs) It doesn't. Forgiveness, if we call ourselves Christians, it has to flow from us because it was first offered to us as a free gift, right? In Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 and 15, it says, if, right? Some of the favorite words, if. That means there's something hinging on this. There's something contingent. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But, another, if you refuse to forgive others, can you all see that? Can you read that last part? Your Father will not forgive your sins. So that's a, that's a hard one, isn't it? Because here's the deal. There's, there are things that are done sometimes to people in this world that are atrocities, that are horrific. There are children in this world that have experienced horrific things done to them by adults that no child should ever experience. And when they come to Christ and they become a follower of Christ, as hard as it is, and again, this is not easy, trust me, it is not easy, but they have to find a way from the forgiveness and with the gift that they receive from Christ to extend forgiveness to that person. And a lot of times it's a process and it takes time. 
Because we have this misconception sometimes, I think. I think we think, if I forgive that person, then I'm letting them off the hook for what they did. And that's not the case. When something happens to us, we in that moment can extend forgiveness, but it is not, it is not us saying, you know, it's okay what you did. That's, that's something else. To, if there's reconciliation, and sometimes there can't be a reconciliation, but you can't walk around with unforgiveness in your heart. You know why? That unforgiveness will eventually turn to bitterness. And I've seen this time and time again in people. You know, you meet somebody and, you know, something happened. And maybe even it was when they were a child and they just couldn't work through it or they've not been able to try or they've not been able to work through something and it, it just kind of festers in there and it pretty soon becomes bitterness and you see them and they're, they, they're, they're so like, ah. They'll say they're, you know, I'm a, I'm a Christian. I love Jesus. It's like, yeah, and like lemons and some other things too. <laughs> We're supposed to be a witness, Right? I mean, the, the word of God says that, that people will know us by the way we love one another. And I've, you know, preached on that a little bit in the past and, you know, how we not just love one another it begins here in our, in our body, in the body of Christ, in the church, but also how we love others in our life. The world is watching. <laughs> the world is watching us. How are we carrying ourselves? Are we being ambassadors? Are we showing what, what, who Christ is by the way we love others? And let me tell you, everybody that we love isn't always lovable. Anybody ever hugged a cactus before? I haven't either, actually. I'm not, you know, I wouldn't do that even for an illustration, but... But we've got to find a way, and God has called us to love those people. I've seen glimpses of this with some people in my life and in different times in my life where somebody was just crotchety and cranky and everything else, and I would just, I would just you know, God just put on my heart, you need to love them through this. <laughs> just keep extending grace, keep extending mercy, and they would poke and they would prod and they would look for that, that response, right? That, and then they're, then they're gonna go, aha, see? I gotcha. But God just put it in me, keep going, keep going. And then slowly over time, you start to see that wall crack a little bit. You start to see that glimpse of, 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 of light kind of breaking in and, and then there would just be an opportunity and my mouth would just drop, right? A lot of this, this happened a lot of times in the military and the opportunities I had to share with somebody, the last person, sorry, I'm gonna be candid with you. I wasn't even praying for that person. I was, I was, it was like they're, they're, they're just never gonna get it. <laughs> I know that's horrible, I know but I've come further now and I pray for some of you too, but um, just kidding, just kidding. But the point is, is, is nobody's out of reach and you don't, know, you don't know the story, you don't know the situation, what's happening behind that, that, that outside, that, that prickly cactus surface, right? And so, Again, we, we see this, that we need to forgive. And if we don't forgive, if we're holding unforgiveness, it only hurts ourselves. You're not getting at that person. It says right here, if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive your sins. <laughs> That's some inspiration. I don't know about you. It's inspiration for me. Like, I need to get this cleaned out. And so as we, you know, kind of wind things down here this morning, you know, these two things, adoption and forgiveness, Adoption and forgiveness. From these two gifts, it is clear that God's desire in sending Jesus to earth was one to establish a loving relationship with his children, right? It was to establish that, that loving relationship. Again, we could... We could serve a God who just sort of just sits on his throne and we have no interaction. You think of like a king, if you, know, if you lived in a country that has a monarchy and, and you have a king or queen that sits there, most people in that country don't know that king or queen personally, do they? That's their king or queen and they follow the, the rules and they live under their, their watch, if you will, but they don't know them personally, but God created something much deeper and he moved from this place of not just being king, but that we are, again, his son or daughter. 
And just the way that me and that gentleman were in the conversation last night and that his little daughter just burst in and just ran up to him, we have that same access to God our Father in heaven through Jesus Christ. Praise God for that. Y'all got to get excited about something this season. I hope it's that. <laughs> we can run to God and say, God, help me. <laughs> we can burst in, you know, and he'll make time for us, and he'll hear from us, and he'll, he'll give us his full attention. And that was, again, that scene. It was beautiful because this gentleman just looked just this far away from his daughter's face into her eyes, and they were connected in that moment. And she just wanted, like, a cookie or something like that. Think about how much more our God in heaven cares about us and what you're going through and what you're facing and what you're being challenged with. And so again, to establish a loving relationship with his children is one, but secondly, and maybe, the, maybe most important, is to create this pathway for our sins to be removed. Because by sending his son as a baby into that manger and as Jesus grew, knowing that the road was taking him one step closer, one step closer, ultimately that would lead to a cross and a painful death of suffering and shame, not because of what he did, but because of what you and I have done. And he paid that price. He made a way because it was impossible for us to save ourselves. And so again, understanding, yes, it, it is beautiful to see this baby in a manger scene and, and it's something special and you know, it, just, it just warms our hearts. And I, don't, I try not to go too far, because that's what Easter's for. But just understand that, that it's all with the backdrop of the cross and the horizon. He came to earth for a reason and a purpose, and he fulfilled it. And so I want us to make sure that we remember that today. God is, he's making something really clear to us today. And it's this, because of Jesus, God holds nothing against you. He holds nothing against you because that, that's all been paid for by the work of the cross. You understand that? I think some of us need to be reminded of that today. It's, it's been paid for. Whatever that is, it's been done. Your sins are gone. They have been taken as far from the east as from the west. They're gone. But if we're honest, how many of us live at times under the shadow of something still? It's like, okay, God, you, you know, I stole that cupcake that one time. I know you forgive me of that, but there's this big thing over here, and, you know, we struggle with that. And do you know what it says every time we, we, we kind of go back to that place or we pick that back up again? It says that the cross wasn't enough. <laughs> what Jesus did wasn't enough to cover everything. But it was. Now, don't get me wrong, all right? There's some sins that, that there are consequences, right? You understand? There are consequences to those sins, but again, you've got to walk that out, but, but God promises to walk through that with you, and, and it's not on the register in eternity, so to speak, because it's been covered by the, the work of the cross, by the blood of Christ. You know, again, if, if you go to a, a store and you know you whatever you you attack somebody and then afterward you're genuinely remorseful and you ask God for forgiveness he, there's forgiveness there but you may have to go to jail right you do have to go just so you know <laughs> I know you guys are Christmas shopping and you know elbows and stuff you know you can't do that <laughs> no matter what it is you'll go to jail does that mean God loves you less? No. <laughs> so understand that and understand that, you know, there's maybe consequences, but it's been paid for. The Greek word here in John 1.29, when it says he takes away the sin, is arrow, A-I-R-O, and it means to take upon oneself and carry what has been raised up or to bear. And isn't that the picture of what Jesus did? I mean, get that picture in your mind. He's, he's taken, again, whatever that weight of your sin is and carried it for you when you come to him. And so all of this kind of wrapped up as we prepare to close this morning is that through Jesus, God has gifted to us forgiveness. 
He's He's forgiven you. He's forgiven me. Going back to where I started as, as we began this message today in that song, and it says, let every heart prepare him room. You know, I, I went to this place, and I was just thinking about it as I was just kind of in the scriptures. And, you know, I just think of when, when Joseph and Mary came, and they were looking for a, a place to have, to have this baby, Jesus. And, you know, it seems that every, every inn was, there was no space, right? There was no room. Why was there no room? Because they didn't recognize who it was that was coming, right? I mean, there was another reason. There was a lot of stuff going on, and, and you know, they were full. But if they really knew that it was the Messiah coming, <laughs> going to be given birth in there, they would have made, they would have kicked somebody out, Right? <laughs> They would have made room. And so they were caught up, though, in this moment. They missed the fact that the Messiah was wanting to come and, and, and enter the world in that place. And, and, you know, I'm sure that they were doing a good thing. You know, they were housing people from the elements, and they were allowing people to stay in, in their inns and things like that. And so it wasn't bad things that they were doing, but they were so preoccupied that they missed the opportunity to welcome the Messiah in themselves, to, and to welcome the Messiah into the world. And so for us this holiday season and us this Christmas during this time, I want us again to make room, to make room. And, and, and I say this often, you know, a lot of us, when we get wrapped up in the things that are happening in the world, we get so focused on those things that our picture, our image of God becomes small and distorted because we can't see past what we're going through to see him. And so my hope for all of us today and my hope for you and my challenge to you is to once again get your focus locked in on who God is and how amazing and wonderful he is and the gift that he gave in his son, Jesus Christ, pouring himself into the world ultimately to be sacrificed. Because of Jesus, church, we can be accepted as God's children. We can have a relationship with our heavenly father. We are loved and we can be forgiven of our sin. Some here, I, I understand, may not have a great image of what a father should be or a, a mother for that matter, what they're supposed to be. Not every relationship was great. Not every relationship is great with a, a parent, perhaps. But I want you to know that, that our Heavenly Father is not like that. He loves you with the purest love. He is love. God is love. And so he loves you perfectly, just as you are. And he's welcoming you into his family if you have not already entered there. I'd ask you just to bow your heads here as we prepare to transition out here of this, this message. And I have a question I want to ask you, and I, I don't want you to answer out loud. This is just a, this is a rhetorical question, but I want you to think about it as we wrap up our time. My question to you is, is what is holding you back for asking for God's forgiveness this Christmas? What is holding you back for ask, from asking God to, to forgive you? Perhaps, again, if you're here as a believer today and, you know, maybe you've been carrying something for a long time. Why not this Christmas give that to the Lord and ask for forgiveness and receive the gift that he is ready to offer you? Perhaps you're here in this place and right now you're holding even unforgiveness to somebody. And I believe God is, is asking and he's, he's, he's pleading, don't do that. Extend that forgiveness because it's only hurting yourself. It's only damaging yourself. Give it to me. And finally, maybe there's some of you here or even watching online that today that you have never surrendered your life to Christ. 
you've never experienced in the fullness of what the gift of Jesus coming to earth meant. Maybe you've never professed or made him, allowed him to become Lord of your life. And if that's you today, I would invite you, what better time of year than to turn your life over to Christ, to be your Lord and Savior, to confess your sin, to acknowledge him that he came to the earth on that Christmas, that first Christmas, to grow into a man and to be crucified on a cross, to be dead and to be buried and, and to be risen again on the third day and now ascends into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. If you cry out to him and, and, and ask him to enter your life, to be Lord and Savior, he'll respond. So where are you at today? And what's holding you back? Father God, I thank you for each person here. I thank you for each person within the sound of my voice online and, and in this room. God, I don't know every situation. I don't know every single face, but God, you see them. For as your word says, you were there even when they were created in their mother's womb. No matter what the circumstances were of, of that birth or, or, or that even that conception, Lord God, that, that, you, that they were created, you created them fearfully and wonderfully in your image. God, we thank you for this time of year. We thank you, Lord, that, that we truly can, can acknowledge and recognize that this is such a wonderful season, a season of making room for you to enter. God, I pray that we continue to make space in our lives and in our schedules, but most importantly in our hearts, Lord, for you to, to dwell. God, I thank you, Lord, that, that today your word, as it always is, is, is alive and it's active, Lord, and it, it pierces to our, to our very being, to our heart. And God, I pray that there has been good soil that this has landed on today and that it would take root. And God, I pray, Lord, for those of us that have been challenged, Lord, maybe there are some areas, there's some places that we need to, to turn over to you, God, that we wouldn't just walk out of here and forget this message, but God, that we would truly bring those things to you. God, I recognize that some of those things may be incredibly difficult to turn over. Perhaps there's fear even just to let go and what, what life might be like without carrying that. But God, I, I pray for, for just a breakthrough in those areas. For God, there is power in your word. There's life-giving power in your word. God, you're not a God just that we read about in a book, but you are a God who is living and who's powerful and who is active and moving. And so, God, I pray that, again, lives would be changed today, that people would leave this place, not as they came in, but changed. God, pierce into the darkness in the places, Lord, that we maybe have lingering, Lord, in our lives, and, and let the light, Lord, shine into those places. God, we thank you. We thank you for the gift of, of your son, Jesus. And, God, I thank you, Lord, again, just for this time that we've had to once again focus on you and your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you stand?